have uh, several announcements. First of all, uh, <clears throat> Bo and Debbie, who aren't here, are proud grandparents as of about 9 o'clock this morning. Um, Callie, born to Andrew and Pam out in Colorado, which I guess would have been 7 there, uh, they began inducing her yesterday morning, so that was a long ordeal for her. Continue to pray for them uh, for no complications and just... Uh, the next couple days will go well. Bo and Debbie will be out there for the week. And then at some point in time, some other proud aunts will go visit. Priscilla, do you get to go? I'm going in November. Going in November. Good. Um, let's see. There were other things as well, if I can find my list. Um, I meant to send an email this week and forgot. If you have an announcement for the newsletter for October, please uh, let me know today if possible or in the morning. We'll send that out uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, and as we had talked about earlier, if there is, we've, we're finishing up Colossians today. If there is something from that book that you think, I wish he would have talked about that, or maybe some more information about that particular topic, or would you flesh that out some more, or just something else that's even remotely related, uh, in a few weeks we'll start a, a series on the life of Joseph. But between them, we're going to do some topical things. So if you have something that you'd like me to cover, put it on a piece of paper and stick it in the offering box in the back table back there. Um, if there's thousands of them, we won't do all of them. But, you know, if there's two or three, I'd be happy to, to deal with some things that you'd like to talk about over the next uh, two or three, four weeks. Uh, there is a new sign-up sheet out on the table. Uh, just reminder that we don't pay someone to clean the church. So once a month, the family kind of adopts the church to do a deep cleaning so you can sign up again. We are we have a new list out there, and there's also a list for uh, volunteer for nursery on the table out there. Is there anything else that I have forgotten? I think that's it, I believe. And if you, uh, if you didn't bring something to eat, you're more than welcome to stay. There's plenty of food. There usually is. So... Stay and enjoy fellowship. And then uh, when we all get back in here after second hour classes and we've all got food, we will have a relatively short business meeting where we talk about the mission statement and the budget. We are in uh, Colossians chapter 4. Again, finishing our time uh, several months in that book. There is an outline in the bulletin. Uh, if you do not have a bulletin, I think Miss Jean would be more than happy to hand one to you if you raise your hand. It's a pretty sparse outline because we've got a fairly short uh, little walk through these last few verses this morning because we're going to do something else at the end. So if you need a bulletin, raise your hand. Miss Jean will give you one. Colossians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 7 through the end of the chapter. And we will get to that in just a moment. There is uh, always danger in the Christian life. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago when Paul told the Colossians to be watchful in prayer. And we talked about that that word signified that they should persevere because of the fact that there's danger. Whenever that word is used in the New Testament, there's always an idea of there's some sort of danger around whether from sin or Satan or other people. And so therefore we need to persevere in prayer. Be watchful. There's danger around. The problem is that danger is often very subtle. 
it looks like a slow, unnoticeable, imperceptible drift away from where we're supposed to be at times. We wake up one morning and we realize, how did I get here? It usually doesn't just happen overnight. It's little choices that we make. Or sometimes it's big choices that we make and we realize that we're on the wrong path. But instead of turning around and going, oh, this is the way back, we make another choice that gets us deeper in trouble. And another choice that then gets us deeper in trouble because whether it's pride or embarrassment or whatever reason, we don't just turn around and go back. I experienced both of those when I was in junior high. I took a a canoe trip up to Canada. I don't know if you're familiar with just north of Minnesota, there are literally hundreds of lakes, all connected either by short little trails or some long trails. And we spent, uh, me and some friends, spent 10 days on the water up there. Uh, our, our scoutmasters decided that we would catch enough fish and we really didn't need to pack in a lot of food. It would save weight. Well, they were right. We did catch lots of fish. But been paddling all day, 14, 15, 16, 20 miles, and you make camp and you set up tent, it's getting dark, and you got to eat, which means you got to get back in the canoe and you got to go fishing. Well, the problem with fishing in a canoe, canoes don't have little trolling motors, and it's hard to paddle and fish at the same time, so you're fishing and you're paying attention and you're talking and your buddy's in the canoe, and before long you find out that if the wind's blowing at all, that you're not where you started. In fact, you may be a good distance away from camp, and so now you've got fish, but I'm really tired and I'm really hungry, and now I've got to put paddles back in the water and get back where I wanted to be. That slow drift gets you somewhere where you didn't want to be because you just weren't paying attention or you just there was too many other things going on. The other thing happened was we had a guide that was navigating us through, and one day, about halfway through, got to the end of the lake, and when you get to the end of the lake, there's usually a trail, and you put the packs in your back, you put the canoe on your shoulder, and you take off. And there was a trail that looked sort of kind of grown up, like maybe someone hadn't been on that trail for a while. But our guide assured us this was the right trail. So we marched down that trail and came to a fairly small lake that didn't appear to be on our map, and he said, well, sometimes little lakes aren't on the maps. They're just weird little anomalies. It, it's okay. I know we're going the right way. So we paddled across, got all the packs back in the canoes and paddled across and got everything out. And there were three trails. And he knew which one was the right one. And we kept going and we backtracked and then we went again and backtracked and went again and, and then kept going. Instead of realizing that we'd made a wrong turn at the very, very beginning, we spent most of that day carrying packs and canoes up and down trails trying to find where we're supposed to be. Wrong choices. And then stubborn pride. I know this is the right way. And fairly soon we were willing to trade our guide for things like toilet paper and <laughs> other necessities that you need when you've been on the water for 10 days. But that's like the Christian life. We, we ignore those things that are important. Spending time with God. 
and prayer and fellowship, and we just begin to drift, and we find ourselves somewhere we didn't want to be. Or we make dumb choices, and we, because of our pride, refuse to just repent and turn around and come back and say, God, I need to start over. As we get to the end of our time in Colossians, my hope and my prayer is that what you would see more than anything is the beauty and the glory and the majesty of Christ. And that we would choose to think inside this box and this box only. That the light of Christ would draw us, would keep us from that drift, or would keep us from making bad choices. That we would choose to think inside this box only as opposed to all of those other ones that we've talked about over the course of the last several months. Those things that gets us in trouble. We, we take another box and we say, oh, this one will solve my problem. And maybe it's power or maybe it's prestige or maybe it's legalism rules or maybe it's spiritual pride or maybe it's just not persevering in the truth of the gospel. Whatever those boxes are, and and we've had lots of them up here over the course of the last several months, whatever those are, may we do like Paul says and put those things to death. May we put off the old man, those old ways of trying to get life to work for us. This morning we're going to look at, at just two men, just two parts of this passage Uh, one of those men was thinking inside the box. And one of those men was thinking outside the box. And one we see an ending that is God-honoring, and one we see an ending that is not God-honoring. So would you follow along as I read, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 4 of Colossians. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. They will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas' cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also in Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, as we spend time in your word this morning, I pray that again you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to our minds, and ultimately, God, to our wills, that we might be different for your glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.
I don't know about you, but sometimes when there's a long list of names or when Paul gets into his goodbyes, it's easy to want to just turn the page and, and get on to something else that's good. But we believe, not only in the genealogies of the Old Testament, but in Paul's greetings and his endings, that all of God's Word is inspired and all of it is beneficial and all of it has something to offer to us. There are a dozen things in these verses that we could talk about this morning, but I want to just talk about two. And I want to begin with the man who chose to think outside of the box of the gospel. We find him in verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Now, we know who Luke is. He's the guy that eventually wrote the Gospel of Luke and also the Acts of the Apostles. But there's this other guy, Demas. And Paul's sending these greetings from all these people who are with him, whether they're actually in prison with him or around him, continuing to carry on the ministry while he is in chains. These are all people that are on his side. In fact, in the book of Philemon, Demas is called Paul's fellow worker. And that word is always used in a positive sense in the New Testament. One who is on Paul's side, coming alongside him to do the work of the ministry, to share the gospel, to present the faith to those who don't know it. And so, at this point in time, this guy Demas is on Paul's side. But... Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Several years later, toward the end of Paul's life, Paul is back in prison in Rome, awaiting his, what we believe is his, his final execution. And in chapter 4, as Paul again is closing his letter, he writes in verse 9, to Timothy, make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We don't know anything else about that, but that word, desert, is a very strong word. It's the same word that Jesus used on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It means to abandon or leave, to desert and why did he do that? Because he loved this present world. He, he was not setting his mind on things above, as Paul writes in Colossians. He was not focusing on the truth of God, the grace of God. Now, I doubt what happened was that one day Demas woke up and said, You know, I, th I think the world is better than Christ. It's the people that I have known through the years who've slowly, and it's been slowly, it's not, just, it's not just one decision, it's several decisions. It may be a large sin, but instead of turning back, it's another sin to cover that one or excuses. So I don't think Demas just one day found himself in love with the world and said, well, Paul, see you. It's a slow and steady drift away from the truth of Christ. Maybe it was... Embarrassment, pressure from outside, fear of imprisonment. Maybe it was just the busyness of life. Maybe a little less time praying. Maybe a little less time with other believers. Maybe a little less time 
soaking in the teachings of the apostles. And so we find that Demas loved the world more than he loved the gospel. And he abandoned Paul when he was most needy for fellowship and encouragement and support. Demas hoped to gain the world, but it appears that he lost everything in that process. But there's another man in here who kind of had the opposite story. And we find him in verse 9. And as he's talking about Tychicus, who's a faithful and beloved brother, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. Who is this guy? Well, we learn just a few books over in, in Philemon, a letter that went with this letter, a personal letter to a guy named Philemon who was in the church at Colossae. That Onesimus was a runaway slave. He thought he could gain the world by getting out of his bonds and he ran away. The problem was in his running away, he ran across someone named Paul. You think your life might be changed if you ran across someone named Paul? You think if you ran across the apostle that the direction that you thought you were going might do a 180? His did. As we, if we read through Philemon, we learn that, that this slave came to Christ. Not only did he come to Christ, he became a huge help to Paul when he was in prison. And what we find is, is that he then returns to his old master. He's not been arrested. Paul's not escorting him. He's doing it by his own free will. We learn in Philemon that Paul says, as he's writing, he says, he was separated from you for a time. That word separated is the same word that's used for a divorce, breaking a marriage contract. He was your slave and, and that relationship was broken just like a marriage is broken. But now he's returning to you, Paul says, not just as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. They go, oh, well, that's wonderful, that's nice. Well, it is nice, but Onesimus is taking a risk. You see, Paul's in prison. What's he going to do? You can't go? Hold on to him through the bars? <laughs> because Onesimus knows in the Roman Empire, if he returns, he's really under the mercy of Philemon. He can do with him whatever he wants to do. There could be harsh punishment. There could be death. And yet what he's choosing to do, because he's been introduced to the light of Christ, is, I made a poor choice, and instead of continuing to make more poor choices, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back to where I started. Even if that's hard. Even if that ends up being the end of my life. Because he knows that going along with him is a letter to the Colossians that we read a few weeks ago that says, Slaves, submit to your masters. He knows what he's going back into. He understands that. And yet he's choosing to do that anyway because it's the right thing to do. While Demas thought he could gain the world and, and seems to have lost everything, 
Onesimus realizes that he could lose everything, but that's okay because he's gained Christ. And that makes all the difference. And the question this morning is, is that the God that you serve? That you're willing to put aside your own rights, your own comfort, your own privileges, your own freedom for the sake of what God has called you to in the gospel. Now, I don't know that anybody in here has been, is a runaway slave and needs to return. But I do know that there are people in here who are running from other things. I do know there are people in here who are slowly drifting just because in a group this size, that happens. That we have let those disciplines of the spiritual life kind of lax. I just don't pray as much as I used to. I don't spend time in God's Word like I used to. I, I don't spend time in fellowship like I used to. Or I'm in the middle of making wrong choices and instead of turning around and returning to God and submitting to His Spirit and to the body of believers to help me solve those problems, I'm just continuing to make more bad choices. I'm just going to continue to walk away and, and hide my sin with lies and more lies because, well, that certainly seems safer than exposing that to the light. And so the, the question this morning that we have to wrestle with, that we've been wrestling with, but we can't just leave this book and say, okay, that was fun, check off, now what's next? It's what do we do with that truth that God has called us to a place where the gospel is the answer to all of our questions and all of our problems. The grace of God in truth is what we have to hold on to. Number one, it's the only way to enter into God's presence. None of those other man-made means of trying to earn favor with God work because we can't earn favor with God. Christ was the only one who satisfied the perfection that God requires. And if our faith is not in Him, then we have no guarantees. But if we've made that choice, if, if we've changed allegiance, if we've accepted that free and wonderful and gracious gift, then are we continuing to allow the gospel to impact what we do each and every day? Because it's not just this one-time decision. You go, okay, everything's good now. Because Paul says, put off the old man. You put to death those old things and you put on the new man. You set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. That's our hope. It's our only hope. And so the question is, is that the God that you serve? Are you willing to serve Him, to give up what you think is life for true life, for eternal life? That's been my hope and my prayer as we have spent the last 24 weeks in this book looking in detail of what Paul is trying to encourage them to do to forsake everything else for the sake of the grace of God and truth. And so this morning what we're going to do, um, this minute is spend some time uh, quietly in prayer. Send an email out this week and, and ask you to, to think through and read through this book again several times. 
What is it that God is impressing upon you? What is that one thing that He wants you to remember, that He is challenging you with, that He wants you to think about? And, and we're going to make stones of remembrance this morning. We'll spend a little time in prayer. If you need to open back up Colossians and look through it again. But we're going to take a piece of clay. We may have to cut these into smaller pieces. That's okay. Um, you can put it in whatever shape you want to. If you want to put it in the shape of a box, and you can put something on all six sides. We've got some toothpicks. You can carve verses or words or phrases. If you're not sure yet, and you want to take it home, we've got some baggies so it doesn't dry out. This will self-harden over the course of a few days. Right, Mark? And it will become a, a stone of remembrance. Put it on your desk, put it on your windowsill, put it on your counter. Um, as a reminder of what God has taught you and is doing in you and through you through our time in this book over the last 24 weeks. That's our goal. Um, I've been told that this stuff is kind of... What's the word you use, Chad? Messy. You messy? Gets on your fingers... We're going to eat a little bit, but there's wipes up here. I'll set them up here. Um, I'll put baggies up here. What I'd like to do is I'd like for us to, to take some time individually in prayer. Mark will come up. If we need to cut these smaller, we can. Um, and then when you're ready, you can come up and get a piece. Again, you can mess with it now. You can get a toothpick, and if you know for sure what God is about in your life through our time in this book, you can get a toothpick and you can carve a verse or a word or a phrase in here. You can make it whatever shape you want to make it into. If you're not sure yet, or even if as a family you'd like to do that, maybe you each take a small piece and you go home and as a family you put them together and you do something together as a, a family. Uh, you can do that as well. There'll be baggies up here. Take it. Um, but as you feel led, as you're ready, individuals, groups, um, and children are more than welcome. This isn't just an adult activity. Um, but parents, you know, you might come with them. Make sure they don't grab five or six. And then when you're finished, uh, because people will be praying and thanking, hopefully, if you would just quietly file out when you're done, you can talk in the hallway. Um, and then when we are finished in here, as always, we have uh, kids' time. We'll be... Cross the hall in the back room, Chad, today, because there's a teacher's meeting as well. We're in the back room, the kids. So all the elementary, preschool will all be together this morning in the back room here. And there's an adult class that meets in the front room there. And then there's a teacher's meeting if you're a teacher for elementary, preschool, just directly across the hall in that room. Is that correct, Aaron? Yes. There you are. Okay. Any questions? So if you take some time, you may want to open your Bible, you may want to read through, you may already know. Take some time and, and pray and think, and then uh, Mark will be up here to kind of help us dole things out, and I'll place the stuff that we need up there. Come as you feel led, get some clay, you can mess with it, you can put it in a bag, you take it home, and then when you are finished, if you will, just file out quietly, um, and then you can be dismissed. Again, we're eating afterwards. So after uh, our next hour at 12, we will reassemble back in here after the kids finished and we'll put up tables. Let me pray for us. Father, we are blessed because you are our Father. 
You have created us and you have redeemed us through the death of your Son. And you have pursued us and you have given us your Spirit as a down payment of the resurrection to come. And as a testimony to your goodness. So God, we ask that you would use this simple illustration, you would use this simple lump of clay as we, um, as we make a, a little stone of remembrance that you would use that to remind us of what you were doing in our lives. God, we need you. We are dependent upon you for all things, not just salvation, but to live life in this world that is so against you in a way that brings you honor and glory and praise that can allow us to be joyful even in the midst of sorrow and pain and frustration and confusion. So God, we ask that you would use this time for your glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.